Join us this weekend as we celebrate all God is up to through Wooddale Church and through our partnerships here, near, and far. Wooddale Worldwide, along with our local and global partners, extend friendship to people across the globe and share the message of hope offered through Jesus Christ. Through these partnerships, we've helped plant thousands of churches, train up Christian leaders around the world, invest in local communities, and bring the hope of the gospel across the street and to some of the farthest corners of the planet. Your commitment, prayer, and generosity are making an eternal difference. To learn more about Wooddale Worldwide and how you can be a part of the work God is doing, visit wooddale.org worldwide. Welcome everybody to the weekend. You know, every week at Whitdale Church, we celebrate what God is doing here, near, and far. But there are a few weekends in the year when we exclusively focus on what God is doing far away. And this happens to be one of those weekends. And I'm very excited for you to hear one of our global partners. His name is Shannon. Shannon and his wife, Katie, and family have been part of our Whitdale global team for the last 16 years. And Shannon and his family serve in one of the most difficult regions in the world to bring the hope of the gospel. Yet God is doing a tremendous thing, not only in their lives and through their lives, but others who are partnering with them as well. In fact, my wife Marcia and I have had the privilege of being with them where they serve in the Middle East and have firsthand evidence and experience of what God is doing. Now, in our broadcast this weekend, you're going to have a very unique opportunity to hear from someone that Shannon has had a great influence on toward Christ. You're going to hear this person's story and how God is at work in their life. However, because the sensitivity of all of this, we cannot keep it on our website. So the only time you're going to be able to hear that is this weekend. So what a privilege it is for you. So I can't wait for you to hear the message. Would you welcome, please, Shannon as he comes and shares with us. It's great to be with you today. I am from Minnesota. I grew up in Prior Lake and actually graduated Bethel College, now university, and worked with Young Life up in Fergus Falls uh, throughout the 90s and then also in Burnsville. But in 1999, I moved out to Pasadena, California, and it's there that I met my wife at Fuller Seminary, and we started our family out in California. It's a great place to court to meet your future spouse and enjoy everything in Southern California. After Fuller Seminary, we went out east to New Jersey and uh, went to Princeton Seminary, did another degree there. And then in 2001, 2002, we moved down to Texas and started working at a church in Texas. So we lived in the north, in Minnesota, in the west, in California, in the east, uh, in New Jersey, and in the south, in Texas. So we'd really seen America. And it was in 2003 that God really started speaking to us out of Isaiah about a vision for the nations. Uh, in Isaiah 49, God's talking to Isaiah, and he tells him about the local thing and the good thing he's done locally, but that he's going to take it further and go beyond. And it says this, It's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel. I have kept. I will also make you a light 
to the nations so that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The tribes of Jacob and those of Israel were the local thing. And God was saying to Isaiah, it's time to go broader. And for us, we had done America. And God was saying, it's time to go broader, to have a bigger vision, to think about the nations. So we actually moved back to Minneapolis in 2003. And we connected with a group called Common Ground Consultants. And Common Ground Consultants was based here in Minneapolis. And it was a group of uh, global partners who had worked all over the world in Muslim-majority communities and, and countries. And they were putting on consultations and have been doing so right here at Wooddale uh, for over 18 years, training the next generation of global partners and local and international uh, workers, ministry workers, uh, to share Christ with Muslims. So that was 17 years ago. And right away in 2004, we said, we've got to try this out. We have to have an experience. We've got to see if this is really for us, living overseas. So we had what we call our appetizer. And we spent three months living in Beirut, Lebanon, uh, praying for Muslims, praying for the region, praying for kings and those in authority, and getting to know the people there. And it was an amazing experience, and my wife fell in love uh, with Lebanese and Palestinians. There are over 300,000 Palestinian refugees uh, in Lebanon. So we really fell in love with the Palestinians, and our prayers were leading us to really work with the Palestinians. And so we came back to Minnesota, and we shared with our community, and God kept opening doors. And then in 2008, we had the chance to actually go and live full-time and move to Jerusalem. So we were there seven years, and Katie and I were team leaders. And I could tell you story after story about how God worked. And, and in the time since we've been there, we've come back to Wooddale numerous times and shared in small groups and in large groups and in this setting uh, about all that God is doing in the Middle East. And there's actually great news about what's happening in the Middle East right now. Um, in 2015, uh, I got a new role, and I joined a team with two others, and we started overseeing all of our workers in the Middle East. And we have over 300 global partners in 13 different countries in the region. And it's been amazing to coach and walk with other global partners as they're seeing the fruit of their labor uh, come to fruition. So from the beginning, our vision was to see a movement of Jesus followers in the Middle East. And especially these last five years, we have heard testimony after testimony of movements and emerging movements where literally thousands are coming to faith in Jesus. And these new believers are gathering together in small groups. They're praying for each other. They're supporting one another. They study scripture together, and they ask, how can we live this out, and who can we share it with? And what happens is small group will start another small group, and this group will start another group. And we call these discipleship-making movements, where discipleship groups start discipleship groups, and it's contagious. But one of the things that we've seen that's vital for movements, besides prayer, prayer is an entirely different message and it's so foundational and covers everything we do but one of the things that's vital for these movements is vision and having a vision 
for the nations, having a vision for the world. When local believers get this vision, when they get the vision of Jesus, and they want to take that to their friends, to their family, to their neighbors, to their whole town, to their whole nation, that's when things start to happen. So today I want to talk a little bit about vision. And specifically, I'd like us to look at Jesus's purpose and his statements and his vision in the New Testament and then our part in that. So Jesus is the cornerstone of these movements in the Middle East. And without him, we can do no good thing. So what was Jesus's vision? We're going to start by taking a look throughout the Gospels at a number of passages. Jesus saw it big. He saw it big, but he kept it simple. That was a phrase in our house when I was growing up. My dad had a poster in his office. See it big, keep it simple. And Jesus' vision is big, but he kept it so simple. We're going to start off real quick here in Mark. Mark 1, 14, 15. And it's real simple. It just says, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Turn and believe the good news. So it's the good news. Good news of the kingdom. And we know that this kingdom is about complete transformation. It's a redefinition of power, of rule, and authority. Leaders are now servants. The poor are blessed. Fishermen, tax collectors, and freedom fighters, rebels, the zealots, become agents of total transformation. So Jesus flipped it right upside down. And there's even a book by that, The Upside Down Kingdom. And that's what Jesus was about. Look at his first message in Luke 4, verses 18 to 19. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. <clears throat> this is actually a quote of Isaiah 61. And in the original quote, Jesus actually stopped. And it, in Isaiah, it goes on. After it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, it goes on and it says, and the day of vengeance of our God. But Jesus stopped there intentionally. He's not coming to bring vengeance. He's bringing favor and freedom and hope for prisoners and the oppressed. He's bringing good news. He's bringing blessing. These statements are powerful. So let's go back to Mark. Mark 1.38. Here's a very simple purpose statement by Jesus. He says, let's go to the nearby villages so that I may proclaim there. That is why I have come. Why did Jesus come? To proclaim this kingdom, to proclaim this good news, to proclaim this freedom and hope and healing and blessing. Here's another purpose statement from Jesus that's very simple. Luke 19.10, towards the end of his ministry in Luke, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. And that vision has transformed the entire world. So I've been, <coughs> I've been to lots of different countries around the world. And one thing I've noticed is that countries 
that have had significant exposure to biblical teaching for over three to 500 years have a completely different culture, completely different mindset. Those countries are living differently than other countries that don't have a biblical foundation. The message has changed the entire world. So that's why he came. <coughs> Not a COVID cough. It's a four-year running, started in the Middle East cough. So that's the vision of Jesus. And we get to be a part of it. In John 20, 21, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We go the same way. As Jesus was sent, he sends us. And he never sends us without giving us what we need to accomplish his purposes. In Luke 9, it says that he gave his disciples power and authority to deliver, to heal, and to free people. He gives us everything we need to complete the purpose for which he sent us. So from beginning to end, it's about the Father sending Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit, Jesus gives us everything we need to complete God's vision for the lost, to seek and save the lost for the world. Think of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. We've got to start at verse 18. Sometimes people want to start with therefore go. But what's before the therefore? In verse 18, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And he talks about baptizing and immersing and teaching everything I've commanded you. And how does it end? He says, I will be with you always to the end of the age. It starts and ends with Jesus. He's with us to the end of the age. He's with us in our purpose. He's with us in our calling. He's with us in this commission. Apart from him, we can do no good thing. So from beginning to end, it's clear, it's simple, it's to seek and save the lost, it's to go to all peoples, it's to go to the nations, leave the 99, go find the lost. And how's he going to do it? He's going to do it through us. He calls people. Ward Brem, who's from right here in Minneapolis, said this at the National Prayer Breakfast in 2008. He said, God uses people. There's no plan B. We see it all throughout Scripture. God uses people. So if you want to turn in your scriptures now to Matthew 16, we're going to look at verses 13 and following. And this is when Jesus was with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi. And he asked, who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? And you know this passage. Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And with that declaration, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. Now, some of you might have translations that say the gates of hell will not overcome it. But that would mean that the gates would be attacking the church. And there are times in life and in Scripture where we need to be on the defense and we have the armor of God. But think about this passage. This passage is about gates. And in the course of human history, I don't know any story where gates did the attacking. Gates are for shutting, for opening, for keeping people out or keeping people in. 
So when Jesus says the gates of hell will not stand against his church, I read this as a call to go to the gates of hell and declare that they're open. Declare freedom for the prisoners. To share the invitation to come out. To come into the light. To come out of the darkness. It's an invitation to be part of wholeness and health and freedom and family and blessing and banquets and celebration. So that's what we did. We went to a place, Palestine, where there's this Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and in Jerusalem where you go through Israeli checkpoints, which sometimes felt like the gates of hell. Because there were often times where there was burning tires, and there's black smoke, and radial belts smoldering in the street, and there's guys throwing rocks with slings, and there's soldiers shooting rubber bullets over our van. And my wife says to the kids, get down. But God gave us grace for that. He gave us the peace that we needed to go to the gates of hell and declare this kingdom reality, declare hope, declare life, declare freedom. So in this passage in Matthew, it's actually the first mention uh, by Jesus of the word church. In Greek, church is a compound word, and it's composed of two words, ek and klesia. And together we have ekklesia. It's where we get the English word ecclesiology or ecclesiastical. It has to do with the church. So these two words, ek, which is a preposition, and klesis, about being called, are powerful together. It's about being called with a preposition. So what's that preposition mean? Sometimes we hear that ecclesia means we're called out. So maybe we're like we're called out of the world. I've heard that. But Scripture says, and it's clear, that we're to be in the world, just not of the world. So God loves the world, and he sent his son, and he sends us to the nations, to the world. Sometimes ek is translated uh, from. So we're called from a life of sin, and that's true. But prepositions in Greek are dynamic, and they're broad. And, and Strong's Concordance says this. Uh, ek is one of the most under-translated and therefore mistranslated Greek prepositions, often being confined to the meaning by. And that's good. We're called by God. And it goes on. It says, ek has a two-layered meaning, out from and to, which makes it outcome-oriented. And then it closes with this in this word study. It says, it's like out of the depths of the source, extending to its impact on the object. Wow. We're called out of the source, out of the depths of the source. We're called out of the depths of the love of God. We're called it out, out of the depths of the love of the Father. We're called out of the life of Jesus. We're called by that vision, and we're called to the world. We're called to be among the lost, and we're called to go in this passage to the gates of hell and declare a different reality, declare a new kingdom, declare new life and hope and healing. We're called to go where no one has gone before, and we're called to do things we've never done before. We're called to declare this new kingdom reality, freedom, light, hope, forgiveness, love, 
transformation. And we're God's people. We're the body of Christ. Bodies move. Bodies have to stretch. Bodies reach out. Bodies connect. The church is God's instruments for moving in the world to bring the kingdom, to bring his reign, his rule, his authority, which is defined by love. It flips everything upside down. And Wooddale's one part of that body. And there are people literally all over the world bearing this message of the kingdom who are connected to Wooddale. We've been on these Zoom calls with Wooddale Worldwide, and I think there's someone from every continent on these calls except Antarctica. And I'm not suggesting that we go there. But there are Wooddale global partners around the world bringing this message of the kingdom and embracing this world as an expression of the love of God. It's the idea of a missional church, a church on a mission, a church committed to the missio dei, the mission of God. Some would say this is the primary calling of the church. And one of my old professors, Daryl Guter, who's a theologian, missiologist, he's now a professor of missional and ecumenical theology at Princeton Theological Seminary. He wrote the book on this, and the book's actually called The Missional Church. It's an excellent book. It's part of a gospel in our culture series. I'd recommend it. But Daryl would say that mission is the reason for the existence of the church. We're called to go and make disciples. And we know that vision of Scripture is for the entire earth and all who are in it. It's for every family from Genesis 12 to every ethne, every nation in the Great Commission, and it's for every tribe, every nation, every tongue in Revelation. From Genesis to Revelation, that's the message. God drawing people back to himself. And it's God's desire that everyone be saved and come to a knowledge of him. And that's why we go and make disciples. And for us, one of our main goals is to transmit that vision to local believers. Because when they get it, when they own it, when they believe it and they live it out, and they believe that this is for everyone, and they're called to be a part of it, that's when things really start to change. So this is the vision of Jesus and all of Scripture. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people. And he uses us. He uses his body. He uses his people to accomplish his purposes. One definition of church that we like, and it's very simple, it's the people of God filled with the Spirit of God, devoted to the Word of God, and passionate about the mission of God, the vision of God, the purpose of God. And so these small groups have this. They gather together. They study Scripture. They're filled with the Spirit. And they're passionate about sharing that good news with the rest of the Middle East. And one small group is starting another small group, and it's starting another. And we get these little house churches, and they're happening all over the Middle East. And that's what we're about. This is what Wooddale is committed to. And on behalf of all Wooddale Global Partners, we're excited to be a part of this with you. We're part of one body. Us Global Partners, sometimes we feel like the hands and the feet. And we're out there. We're at the edges of the kingdom. We're in the front lines. And the battle's fierce. And we need your prayers. 
These movements start with prayer. They're covered by prayer. They don't continue without prayer. And the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. And even if you don't feel righteous, you are. Your righteousness is not your own. Our righteousness is in Christ. And so we are righteous. And therefore, your prayers are powerful. They are effective. So we thank you that we're in this together. We thank you for your encouragement. And we're blessed by you to be a blessing to the nations. And I want to close with this from Psalm 67. God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Amen.